And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. How long is too long to take a free kick? Another yellow for Alex Greenwood. And she's already been put. And the Manchester City captain is sent off. I'll tell you, in the WSL, it's 26 seconds, apparently. Manchester City captain Alex Greenwood found that out the hard way on her 100th cap, sent off in the 38th minute for a second yellow. And with four red cards in two weekends, we've already seen half the total of last season. So do the new rules work for the women's game? I'm Sophie Penny, and from The Athletic, this is Full Time Europe. I'm here with the athletic Charlotte Harper. Hi, Charlotte. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Sophie. Nice to see you again. And Chloe Morgan joins us from a hotel room in Liverpool. Hi, Chloe. And uh, exotic places. You're right, guys. Nice to have you with us. And hello to you listening as well. So two red cards in this one-all draw between Manchester City and the champions Chelsea. Obviously, the big moment is going around on social media. Lots of people getting very angry was Alex Greenwood's second yellow for time-wasting on a free kick just 38 minutes in when her team were 1-0 up. She took 26 seconds to take that free kick. Chloe, was Alex Greenwood time-wasting? It just it just seems like a really silly thing to say that she was doing. I think at that point in the game, I don't think any player is going to sort of use time-wasting as a game management technique. I mean, yeah, if you're, you know, 1-0 up and you, you know, in the 90th minute or you've got like a little bit of stoppage time, absolutely. Like you want to be, you know, doing everything you can. You want to, like as a goalkeeper, you want to be taking like your time to like, you know, place the ball for, for goal kicks and things like that. But you could see Alex Greenwood was kind of assessing the situation in front of her, trying to see where the next pass was going to be. I think the ref was actually blocking out one of the potential uh, pass angles for her. So I think it was more of just a, a taking a bit of time to consider what the next pass was going to be but but nothing more than that I just the decision was wild I think you have to add some context as well as that 26 seconds is from when the free kick was awarded and then when it was taken for me Alex Greenwood was just assessing her passing options the short pass wasn't on the long pass wasn't on so she decided to keep possession it's not time wasting for me I think it's a bit of a subjective definition as well, isn't it? Time wasting. I don't know if you have an experience of this, Chloe, but, you know, why 26 seconds? Why not 28 seconds? It seems like they need a bit of a a clearer directive on that, don't they? Yeah, I think there needs to be a cutoff point, absolutely. Um, but I think it's obviously placed in the referee's discretion for a reason, because they, like, like Charlotte said, there, there's absolutely context to every single decision that's made. But I think from a goalkeeper perspective, obviously, I think it's eight seconds that the goalkeeper can't have the ball uh, before having to, to then play it out. So, you know, you do have some structure in certain situations about time wasting. But, you know, when you look at the kind of tactics that are now employed across the field, like I just mentioned there, with you know, goalkeepers walking to go and collect the ball and then placing it down. How many times have I 
see Mary Earps place the ball down for a goal kick. Step back, step back to the ball, replace it, step back again. And the referee sort of going, you know, you know, time, but like never actually given her a yellow card. There were so many instances where that's just been like left, uh, you know, unattended. So I think, yeah, there definitely does need to be some clarity. And I think, you know, now that this situation has happened with Alex Greenwood, I think it is going to get more focus. And I think maybe this might prompt some kind of clarity on the rules. It looked like she was trying to manage the game. You know, she was slowing things down, that's for sure. But I feel like there's a difference between the referees managing the game and not understanding how the players are trying to to manage the game a bit. Did you feel like that, Charlotte? I think there has to be a feel. You have to get a sense of the game and how it's going. Is Alex Greenwood really doing this on purpose? And, you know, referee Emily Heaslip has played before. She has... A mentality of a, a footballer in the past. She played in an England under-19 squad with Alex Greenwood, uh, used to play for Watford and Millwall. So she understands that. And I think we're going to come up uh, onto this topic later on, but this is being delivered by the referees' bosses. You know, they are being instructed to implement these rules which have been put in place by the International Football Association Board, the ones who, you know, the body for making football laws. So the referees are under pressure as well. And I I just think that she could have just given a warning. A warning would have sufficed in that situation. There is a reason why they've made these changes, though. I mean, players are going to have to adapt to it. But they did want to increase the amount of of in-time play, didn't they? So there is some reason behind this madness. Yeah, so how they calculate added time, that's been pushed by IFAB, uh, as I mentioned, the body responsible for the laws of the game. But the way they calculate added time is one aspect, and then you think, well, if we reduce time-wasting, we'll have less added time. Now, this has been introduced after the Qatar 2022 World Cup. So the Premier League were taking more robust measures, the Championship, EFL, so that referees were empowered to take action against those you know, deliberately delaying the resumption of play. So more yellow cards were expected, and we've seen that in the Championship. Eight players were cautioned for time-wasting across uh, the 12 games in the, in the Men's cha- Championship. We saw Arsenal's Tomiyazu, he received a first yellow for time-wasting and then got sent off for a second yellow. Sheffield United's Ollie McBurney, given a second yellow for dissent. So... It is across the men's and women's uh, games. The concern regarding dissent was that what they call participant behaviour, so coaches, managers, players, that was seen to have deteriorated last season. So they officials wanted to clamp down on that. And that's because grassroots, they saw a pattern in grassroots of dissent increasing and they looked to the programme and it's just being replicated further down the pyramid. So... That also causes increased problems for recruitment of referees. And so this is why we're having stricter guidelines for punishing those who cross the line. And you will have seen in the Manchester City against Chelsea game, the referee not being shy to give players yellow cards for dissent. We saw Chloe Kelly and Laya Alexandri getting a yellow card immediately after Alex Greenwood was sent off. So, you know, confronting an official, showing disrespect, invading the referee's personal space, anything like that, and you'll get a card straight away. So these have all been replayed to players, so they can't say they weren't warned. But again, what does it look like in practice? And we saw it on Sunday (laughs) in every aspect with those 11 cards. 
if clubs have been warned about this, that they're going to be pulled up on, on dissent and time wasting, and they were warned before the start of the season that this was going to happen, should a player of Alex Greenwood's calibre actually know better? Could you argue that she's an experienced player, she knows she's already on a yellow card, we want to reduce time wasting because we want to reduce the amount of extra time that we're going to have added onto the game. So could you argue that actually a player in Alex Greenwood's position should know better and and she was at fault? You have laws on paper, right? And you read them. But what does that look like in practice? And I, I don't think even the most experienced player would be able to say when a referee is going to blow for time wasting or not. So I think it'd be very harsh for to say to Alex Greenwood, you should have known better. Yes, these changes regarding time wasting and dissent were communicated to clubs and players pre-season. That's what Emma Hayes said in her press conference is that they knew that what they were going in for. But really, if somebody had shown you that clip, how many people would have said, yeah, that's time wasting? But I think also you're in the game situation. You are, you're not thinking about, OK, the clock's running down. You're thinking about what pass your net's going to play or what the game strategy is going forward. So I think, And also you might not have the benefit of even having a clock or anything in the stadium to even be able to say, oh, OK, well, I've got three seconds left now. I've got to play the ball right away. You know, 26 seconds when you're actually on the field and you've got a thousand, you know, thousands of eyes on you and you're just trying to figure out what the next step is. is It's, it's a very, very uh, short space of time. Also, what are we going to do? Like, then just players just rush to play the first pass they've seen because they're scared for time wasting. Like, it wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> like, because by the second half, every player was so scared of fouling anyone or touching anyone. I think Lauren James just kind of backed off as like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> putting a foot in here because I'm going to get a yellow card. And Gareth Taylor and Emma Hayes, the two respective managers, said that as well. Like, it kind of just spoiled it. It could have been such a cracker of a game and after 38 minutes, it turned it on its head. That was just the beginning, wasn't it, Greenwood's incident? 11 cards in total, including one for Gareth Taylor. That's the most ever for a WSL game. Five for Descent, if you count Gareth Taylor's as Descent, and one for time-wasting. Lauren Hemp also sent off for two yellows, one for Descent. So if you're a player on that pitch... What's going through your head? How are you going to try and manage those new rules, not only in this game, but moving forward? Because it must be very difficult if you're now looking at a game. If you were in in the dressing room, what would you be doing as a team? I think there's a couple of ways that you can kind of look at this. It's okay. well, what do I do to minimise myself getting a yellow card? And then also, what should I be doing to ensure the other side are getting more yellow cards? So I think you know there's preventative and there's also kind of a, a proactive approach that you can take to using this to your advantage. There are definitely hotheads in and around the WSL. You know, how many times have we seen Katie McCabe come on and absolutely clatter into the back of someone? You know, she got a yellow card within, I think, two or three minutes of entering the field on uh, on Friday's game against Manchester United. So, you know, there are definitely certain players that you would, you would be targeting as ones that, you know, are easy to rile, you know, will engage in those kind of like really heavy tackles. I would be thinking, OK, well, you know, how do we go about making sure that they're either on a yellow and therefore you know going forwards into the game they might not be you know engaging in the kind of tackles they were before or they might be a little bit scared or a little bit nervous to kind of get um, you know sent off and then miss the subsequent impact of that is missing the next game or whatever it is so yeah there's those kind of things to think about but in terms of kind of you know trying to avoid yellow cards like yeah I think you would be kind of conscious of the kind of tackles that you're going into and I think that will affect things definitely defensively and the time management as well. I mean, that must be a tricky one, especially if you're a goalkeeper on the on the pitch now. You know, how would you approach that? 
that is the last thing you want to see is that goalkeepers being red carded for being, you know, for, for taking, yeah. two, you know, two occasions where they take too long and they take 27 seconds trying to place the ball from the from the goal kick. And what you might even see is fans engaging in this. It's like, you know, fans taking the ball and not giving it them back. And then all of a sudden they're over the 26 time threshold and you've got mm. Mary Earps being sent off because of, uh, because of time <laughs> wasting. So I think, and like Charlotte was kind of saying, it does impact the competitiveness on the league because if you've got players like Alex Greenwood, you've got players like Lauren Hemp, you know, being red carded and sent off. I mean, you're losing some of your best players. And then how does that impact your chances then of securing the three points that you need in this league going forward? So, yeah, it's um, it's created all kinds of <laughs> madness and strategy and things like that. But if you think about it cleverly, like you probably could um, you probably could find the advantage to it all. Players and managers will also have to adapt to the increased amount of added time as well. Matt Beard, the Liverpool manager, was complaining after his side played nearly 115 minutes. He said players will get injured. That's a lot of strain to put on them. So that's got to be another concern from these new IFAB regulations, hasn't it? I think um, FIFPRO flagged this as well and, and Rafael Varane at the start of the Premier League season regarding the impact on players with injuries. I think it was you could play three extra games a season given the amount of added time being played. So that's definitely something to consider. And almost if you're getting booked for time wasting and then you still have to play on the added time, it feels like you're being punished both ways. If you've got tw- a game of you know a season of 22 games, you're probably looking at playing about 26 games um, because of all the extra time that needs to be factored in. And I think that will maybe start to have an impact towards the latter end of the season in terms of squad rotation, in terms of injury, in terms of player fatigue. And that's not even to mention the fact that we've got another jam-packed summer full of um, full of international football at the Olympics as well. So, you know, we're talking a little bit about workloads and scheduling, but then we're also talking about, you know, players being having this additional time. So there needs to be some... There needs to be some consideration given to player safety, 100%. But yeah, it does feel, I think like Charlotte said, it does feel like you're, you know, you're being yellow carded, but also what is the impact because the you are just seeing that happen at the end of the game anyway. So yeah, it's, um, it's a complex situation to unpick is what it is. Mm. It puts the referees in a very interesting position because they're under pressure to apply these new rules. Do you have any, any insight on what Emily Heaslip must be going through right now? Yeah, so I um, sat in on a, a referee's uh, feedback review session last week and you can catch that on The Athletic, uh, that piece coming up this week. And so their footage will be reviewed. So after every game, they have a, they analyse their clips, they add their comments, the referee's coach analyses the clips, adds the comment, and then they come together in a performance review to say, look, this is what you did well, this is what you didn't do well, and this is how you need to improve. So that happens after every game across the men's and women's leagues. Therefore, the referees, if these new rules have been implemented, referees, coaches are going to pick the referees up on this, saying you need to be harsher on dissent, or, you know, player took too long and time-wasting here, you didn't pick up on it. And so the referees have the pressure to apply the rules as well, but apply the rules fairly and consistently, and, that, and that's the problem we have at the moment. But if they don't apply the rules, they won't get appointed for their next games. So if somebody is breathing down your neck, Chloe, for example, my editor, saying, Charlotte, come on, journalistically, you need to pick up this on this next week. Come on, dot the I's, cross the T's. That's going to be in my mind. That's going to be at the forefront of the mind, thinking, dissent, time-wasting. Am I being strict enough here? And... 
Just like we all get performance reviews in our jobs, referees aren't immune to that. But we're coming on to the question is, where do you go from here? 11 cards in one game. Like Gareth Taylor said, well, we all want consistency, but by this rate, we're going to be playing eight aside throughout the league. But I feel like the referees have to continue the way they are because they've set out their stool. You know, if they then row back on this, it's just going to be a mess. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to Full Time Europe with Sophie Penny. Charlotte, we were talking about it all being about increasing the time in play. But officials have taken the patterns from from the men's game as well. And the WSL actually had the highest average percentage of ball in play time at 58%. Do you think that this was an, actually an issue that needed to be dealt with as much in the women's game, the time wasting? I think it was. Although... WSL players tend to want to get on with the game and we haven't seen as much time wasting in the women's game at throw-ins, for example. I, I think it's good that they're nipping the issue in the bud before those grievances from the men's game come across to the women's game. So, yeah, it is a blanket approach, but I think it's a proactive approach for the women's game. I think even when we sort of look at the women's game being better in terms of, you know, time wasting and a ball in play time across the men's and the women's game, the actual time the ball is in play is still really low. So across like a 90 minute match, if you take away the extra time, just the night, the pure baseline 90 minutes, you know, you've got, you know, the men's team is around 56 minutes actual play time. The women's team is about, I think it's 58 minutes. I think if that's right, Charlotte, if I can remember those figures. We've got, yeah, Premier League average total time in play is 54 minutes, 52 for last season, whereas the WSL was 50. 6 minutes 37 so yeah less than two minutes more in the women's game but still it's pretty low it's like 56 percent and 58 percent of your average percentage of ball in play time and I think it's that I think when you've got so little ball in play time you've got spectators who have come and paid for you know to go and see you know their stars you know they've only got a 90 minute game to go and see you know their best players their team perform and when almost a third of that is being locked off by you know taking your time with goal kicks or you know as a goalkeeper I, you know I sit there and say this as a goalkeeper who's employed some of these tactics so I'm not completely blameless in all this I'm probably a reason why the balls are starting to come in but my generation of players is probably a reason why we see what we're seeing now so it's all um, your fault Chloe <laughs> essentially <laughs> it was that kind of reflective moment there that I actually think you are the problem so don't, don't blame Alex Greenwood don't blame the referee point the finger at Chloe Morgan everyone <laughs> I take full responsibility for the state of the game as it is now and I'm sorry to the current regiment of players in the WSL but yeah, I think um, when you're having, you're trying to get audiences to games, you're trying to increase attendances, you're trying to increase how good the product is to watch so that you can get better money for the broadcast deals and things like that. You want the game to be quick moving, you want it to be fast paced, you want it to be exciting, you want there to be goals, you want it to be saves. And all those things don't take place if you're spending a lot of, a lot of that time 
taking your sweet time, doing a throw in or going to take your time collecting the ball. Like those aren't things that people want to see. So I get the whole time management thing. There's one part of it wanted to make it an exciting, fast paced product. And also too, like we just said there with the impact on, you know, players and injuries and things like that, like that's also something to be factored in. So I do get the clamp down. I think we're just going to have to get used to like this being the new status quo and players need to very quickly and managers get on board with that. With the increase in cards, obviously, if you get a double double yellow in the WSL, it's one game ban, straight red, three game ban. But obviously, it's in a 22 game league. Premier League is 38 games. So the proportional impact of all these changes and all these cards is a lot higher in the women's game, isn't it? So I think that's something that we need to, to be talking about. You know, you can give the cards, but then what do the cards mean? And what should the cards mean in, in the women's game? What do you think, Charlotte? I think that's a big issue. Chloe and I were talking about this as well, that for Kirsty Hansen and uh, Leila Wahabi, who were shown straight reds in the opening weekend, for them to then miss three games, that's a massive chunk. That's, you know, 13.6% to be precise. Um, (laughs) But they're just receiving a three-match ban because they're mirroring the laws in, in the men's game. And that needs to be looked at. That's one for the competition regulations. Again, that's not the officials' fault. They're just implementing the laws. 13.6% compared to 7.9% in the Premier League. So it is a big difference, Chloe, isn't it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you definitely need to, when it's been a straight red, normally it has been for some kind of violent conduct or unsafe play. So you definitely need to punish the player for that. So we're not getting away and saying that these should be, you know, soft. We should deal with it with a, you know, a smack on the wrist or like a yellow card. Like there are some circumstances that obviously warrant taking serious action. But at the same time, I think you do have to look at whether maybe a two-match ban is is sort of a, a more proportionate way of dealing with this. Because you also have to look about, like, like I said sort of previously, about the competitiveness of the league. So say, for example, you know, coming up to the latter ends of the season, Sam Kerr gets a red card and is then out for three games. I mean, you know, someone like Sam Kerr for Chelsea could be the difference between the title and, and not the title if they're in that position, which it... I mean, it looks like it could be Liverpool winning the league this year, so you never know. <laughs> or Leicester. Or Leicester. Yeah. Top, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Weirder things have happened. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think when you're taking out, you know, Alex Greenwoods, your Lauren Hemp's, like your, you know, Kersey Hansons, they're all big-time players for... And I'm not saying let's treat the big-time players like they're completely immune, but you do have to look at, you know, if all these players are getting yellow cards and being banned from games, like, people aren't going to want to see squads that are completely depleted or, like Gareth Taylor said, that, you know, are down to their absolute bare minimum because everyone's out you know on on suspensions and I think as a side point also I mean a lot of these clubs do have you know fairly good resources but I think every red card is about a 55 pound fine so if uh, Man City are going to be racking up quite the uh, quite the fine bill by the end of the season if they continue on like this and I think it's 35 quid for a second yellow and I think it's a tenner for one yellow so it'd be interesting to see just how much they're paying out this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to Full Time Europe from The Athletic. With the refereeing setup that we have, 
in the women's game. We don't have any full-time referees solely dedicated to the women's game. Of the 49 officials, we have seven full-time contracts, 11 are part-time, and the remaining 31 just receive individual match fees. So, you know, they're not full-time in the women's game. So do you think that they're equipped to put these kind of laws into place? I think referees have been placed in quite a difficult situation because I think, you know, they do have to apply the rules that have been set and the rules aren't necessarily something, you know, that they've they want to do sometimes they know that decisions they make sometimes are going to be unpopular red carding someone like Alex Greenwood is definitely going to have you know a certain amount of backlash to it but you know at the same time this is why you you come into the profession sort of knowing full well that you know you're not going to be the most popular person on the field but I think the the biggest thing that I hope comes out of this is that the referees are getting the most amount of support and you know it's amazing that you know Charlotte was able to sit in on a WSL referee feedback session and you know I'm really excited to sort of like see this this piece and um, coming out this week and I think it sort of gives you a bit of a deep dive into kind of the coaching they get, the mentoring they get, the, you know, the reflection they do after games. But I do think there needs to be maybe more communication, you know, from the referee side of things to kind of explain some of these decisions and also say, you know, it is not the referee's fault. And at the end of the day, they might make mistakes. You know, that is going to happen. That is a natural part of the game when you don't have VAR. You just have, you know, decision making in split second time. And you've also got to appreciate that the game has moved on. The pace of the women's game has dra- dramatically moved on. You know, the strength and conditioning, the nutrition, the diet, everything has amalgamated into a, you know, a much quicker product, a much faster pace. You're going to have to make decisions in literally the blink of an eye. So it is more difficult for the referees. And I do have a lot of um, a lot of sympathy for them. But I just hope that there is sort of, you know, something from the referee side of things, especially, you know, someone like the PGMOL who turn around and sort of, you know, support and defend their referees, because otherwise you'll get to a situation where no one wants to go into that profession. And if we start to see more abuse happening, that will definitely become the case. I think the referee's biggest pet hate is not being called professional as well. They are professional referees. The time that they dedicate to this uh, officiating is in a professional context. They're just not all of them are full time. So I believe the referees are absolutely equipped to put these laws in place. It just depends how the lawmakers want them to apply the laws. The thing I find is that it feels like we've gone to from naught to 60 in mm. the click of a finger, like these quite draconian measures being put in. And that adjustment is really, really fast. Like I feel sorry for the players because if you think back to the World Cup and then the weekend's games, they're night and day. And as a player, you just want consistency. It's kind of like that teacher who comes in, new term, new rules, and then sends a kid out for doing the tiniest wrong thing. And everyone's like, whoa, you've picked up on like a really insignificant thing here, which is just not necessary. And again, I I understand that time wasting is a point that they want to clamp down on. But from 0 to 60 straight away, it, it seems too harsh of an implementation. That's what Gareth Taylor was saying, wasn't he, at the weekend? Obviously, you know, there's been four red cards already, two straight reds last weekend. And there were eight in the whole of last season. And I just wonder, in the context of the women's game, where before it used to be, you know, you had to chop someone's leg off to get a red card essentially is it too sudden a change 
I think it's it's difficult to kind of know the specific reason why this is taking place. And I think, you know, like Charlotte said, maybe it is a, a, an amalgamation of the pressure they feel to obviously apply the rules and the fear that they might not get appointed if they don't get things right or they're seen as being too soft. And I think maybe obviously from, from last season, you look at the transition. I know there's been a lot of focus on training referees and trying to get them up to a better standard because that has been something that has been criticised for a number of years now. But maybe the referees actually themselves are feeling more empowered to make those stronger calls, you know, to, to call those reds, to call those penalties out. Whereas maybe before when they were still sort of, you know, still learning, still developing, still gaining experience, still going to these kind of games, still, you know, getting used to the WSL, the standard of it, you know, certain types of players, certain teams, the styles they play. Until they build up that bank of experience, it's really hard to actually get a feel for, you know, when to make the right call. And also, you know, referees have to game manage themselves. They have to make sure that they clamp down on certain things so that they don't lose control of the game. So, you know, it's more about maybe the referees feeling empowered and maybe also, like Charlotte said, maybe a part of that is just a sense of, you know, feeling that actually there is, there's been this crackdown and they need to apply those rules. But I think naturally what you will start to see, whilst there's loads of focus and attention on it now, I think what hopefully will happen is that everyone in the league is sort of paying attention to it and we will start to see less and less incidences where we're seeing eight nine ten cards loads of reds happening you know penalty calls those kind of things happening as everyone adjusts to this new style this new default position of what the actual baseline standards that referees expect from players is definitely it's something that needs to be looked at and it will be interesting to see how those new laws are applied throughout the game throughout the season and how how the clubs adapt to it as well we've gone a whole episode of talking about refereeing in the women's game we haven't even gotten to VAR and goal line technology so we'll have to come back to that check out Kiva O'Neill's piece on it though on The Athletic she's gone into all of that and for more on everything we've been chatting about in today's podcast head to The Athletic Charlotte and Chloe have got some great articles up there Uh, you can sign up today for an offer of just £1.99 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com slash WSL and please do leave us a rating and a review and don't forget to follow Full Time Europe on your podcast feed and send in any thoughts or questions to at The Athletic FC or direct to me at Spenny S-P-E-N-N-E-Y 4 on Twitter thank you so much for joining me Charlotte Harper thank you for having me on and thanks Chloe Morgan Thank you, and apologies again to the rest of the WSL for the impact that I've had on the WSL <laughs> card carnage. <laughs> Will we forgive her? I'll leave that for you at home to decide. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Sophie Penny. To listen to other great athletic podcasts just like this one, including our daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your podcasts. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.